Hello and welcome back to SpinalCast. I'm your host, David Stevens, and joining us today are Sarah Hollowell and Courtney Hollingsworth. Both are registered nurses in Austin, Texas. Sarah in the neonatal intensive care unit and Courtney in the ER. While obtaining their undergraduate degrees, both worked as personal care assistants for MCPF's own Peter Morton. Sarah, Courtney, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks, thanks for having, having us. us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know, you know, it's been a while since either of you have been uh, a PCA uh, or worked in that in that field. Um, but in today's episode, I think what we'd like to do is learn a little bit more about what it's like to assist someone who is a quadriplegic. Um, and if that sounds okay to you, then I think we could just jump straight into questioning. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is pretty easy so far. Uh, so... What what made you decide to become a PCA in the first place? And maybe, Courtney, we'll start with you. Um, so I knew that I wanted to get into nursing, but I had absolutely no experience like with patient care or anything healthcare related. Um, so Sarah had actually found like a job posting for a like personal care assistant, which happened to be Peter. And we both were like, oh my gosh, this will be so great. We'll get experience without having any. Um, and so we both applied and interviewed and both got the job with Peter. Oh, awesome. And so it was primarily just that job opening board that kind of highlighted the idea or had you thought eh, maybe being a, a, a care assistant would be a good kind of stepping stone in the career choice I'm taking? Yeah, that was the goal. It was to get some experience before like applying to nursing school. Mm -hmm. So I had like some basis for what I was going to get into. Yeah. So then, uh, Sarah, how many PCA jobs or assignments, I guess, or patients did you have during your, your time as a PCA? Was Peter the only one? Peter was our only one, speaking for both of us, but um, <laughs> for me as well, it, <laughs> Peter was my only one. It, would you say that's pretty regular for people who take on PCA roles? Are they typically kind of interim roles or do some people make careers out of it? I think some people make careers out of it and actually end up transitioning to like a PCA in the hospital, mm. which is known as a CNA, a certified nursing assistant. And most hospitals or nursing homes or long-term long care facilities actually have that. But I think when people work in homes as a PCA, that is primarily their only person is my assumption of it. Got it. I suppose there is so much time commitment. You couldn't have quote unquote three clients where you're like, I'll be back in 45 minutes. I got to go check on, you know, Rhonda down the street. Um, that that, that makes, <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. So uh, when you guys first met Peter, um, and if you'd like to tell the story of, of um, you know, the interview process or how you originally met him. But I guess my question is, what was your reaction to the condition? Did, was the, the advert for someone who is quadriplegic? Did you know going into it what his condition was? And kind of how did you respond to that initial uh, introduction? I was shocked. Um, I knew what a man living with quadriplegia entailed, but just from having communicated with Peter, I never knew his extent. I never knew that he would be completely wheelchair bound with a ventilator, mm -hmm. just given how well he communicated with us. And I just, I didn't know the technology that was available to them. So when I first met him, I was absolutely shocked. Yeah. What about you, Courtney? I'd have to say same. I had like, obviously I know what 
being a quadriplegic is like you can't use four of your limbs mm-hmm. however but like i had never met anybody who was a quadriplegic right and so literally i think out of just like sheer nervousness because it was an interview and it was like oh my god <laughs> um i like think i went to shake his hand and i was like oh god wait that was so stupid <laughs> <laughs> right but but it was interesting because I had never met anybody who was wheelchair bound or like had a vent. So that first off was pretty kind of, I guess, shocking and expected, but not expected because I didn't know that's how he lived his life, I guess. Yeah, totally. And I've, I've actually been interested over the more I've learned about um, these injuries and, and people's situations from doing this show. Um, it's interesting that there are people with quadriplegia who still maintain some mobility of their arms. Um, and it's really, it comes down to where the injury was located in the spinal cord. Um, and that, that was very interesting to me because I had always thought quadriplegic means like nothing, no movement, no functionality from the shoulders down. Um, and I've come to find out that that's not necessarily the case. Um, although it is kind of, the definition of the word, as it were, um, it's it's usually just limited mobility for for a lot of people who have quadriplegia. So um, I just thought that was kind of interesting too. Um, so then, how long did the two of you get to work with Peter um, as his PCA? <laughs> plural, <laughs> plural PCAs. Uh, I think. I was stumped last time we when you asked us this question, but mm-hmm. I think four years, three or four years, something like that. I think closer to four. Yeah. So then, as far as like the the job itself, um, kind of what were your what was your role? What were you assisting him with on a day to day basis? Um, we were literally an extension of his hands. So okay. you wake up in the morning. You brush your teeth, you use the restroom, you get dressed, you wash your face. But a man living with quadriplegia like Peter, he can't do that for himself. So we would get there in the morning, go and if he was awake or not, then wait for him to wake up some days and um, literally perform his daily functions, literally wear his hands. We would put on his lotion, wash his face, wash his hands get him dressed, get him out of bed and into a wheelchair and so much more that you just take for granted from being able to use your arms and legs. Absolutely. Well, and for our viewers or listeners that don't know, Peter Morton is a six foot seven individual (laughs) and uh, no offense to either of you, but both of you look fairly small in stature. So I imagine uh, getting him up and out of bed and into a chair was uh, something of a task. Uh, yeah, it was, but it, it was much easier than I had expected. So if we put it into perspective, I'm like five foot, a hundred pounds. Yeah. Peter's six, seven, over a hundred pounds. <laughs> and so, and when we were learning about kind of like how the morning routine was that, like, right, you have to get him dressed. I'm like, I'm going to get this man dressed in the bed. Like, this is never going to work. I'm never going to be able to do this. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, yeah. And then you have to get him out of the bed into his wheelchair. I'm like, I ain't strong enough for this. There's no way this is going to happen. <laughs> um, but they have a thing. It's a like a plastic board that is probably like almost like six feet 
if that yeah it's very light and it is kind of like a bridge and so that's what we use to like you kind of slide peter his body onto this slide board and then slide him into the chair and it was super feasible yeah it was probably the easiest mm-hmm. part of the whole routine <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> That's that's a kind of incredible to think about because it doesn't seem like that like it's a complex motion to go from lying down to seated in a chair that's you know away from your laying position. So, but it is impressive because I think it's one of those things. If you do it all the time, it probably also becomes easier and easier the more you do it. Oh, oh, totally! I could like throw totally, Peter yeah. from the bed to the chair. It was <laughs> yeah. no big deal. <laughs> yes. By the end of it, we were doing it with our eyes closed. Yeah. And then it would be like, how fast can we do the morning routine and like get him up out of bed and ready for the day? Right. It was like a little competition. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I did it in five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. I can imagine. So with that kind of being one of the easier things, what what would you say was the most difficult thing you had to do um, in in assisting him? Um, whether that be just a personal thing where you have a difficult time dealing with certain things and you had to do it because you had to as part of the job or what was just most difficult about it? For me, the most difficult part was the bad days when Peter potentially had a a sore on his bottom or didn't feel well. And the days that we had to leave him in bed, essentially, or Mm -hmm. the days that he couldn't get out of bed because something else was wrong. So so essentially, like if he had a potential um, sore on his butt coming in, he didn't want to get out of bed into the chair and sit on it all day, essentially. Right. So those were the hardest days when someone's so eager and so excited mm-hmm. to get up and have a, have a normal day and do his work and hang out with his children and his wife and have dinner and go to the park, but he couldn't because of his physical limitations. I have to agree with that. Yeah, it's hard, like, knowing that Peter wants to have a normal day. But because, like, when you are kind of wheelchair-bound, you have other health issues that come along with that. And Peter is just very conscientious about it and has to be, like, really careful at some times. And sometimes, like, the best option for him was to not get up for that day. Right. Well, and that it, it's interesting to me because I've I've talked to Peter about this as well. Um, but he seemed to, even though he is uh, quadriplegic and unable to feel anything from his neck down, uh, it seems like he's very in tune with his body and like his system. Mm-hmm. Like when something is wrong, he somehow is able to notice it, even though he can't feel it. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Like how. <laughs> Was it odd to you when he was like, I think there's something wrong. And then you're like, oh, wow, you're right. How would you have known that? I I just, it's flabbergasting me. That's all. Yeah, I remember the first time, maybe not the first time, but just the time that sticks out to me is he was like, I can't really get up today. I'm developing a sore on my sacrum. And I was like, no, you're not. There's nothing there. Yeah. And sure enough, like two or three days later, it was red and he he knew something was wrong. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's so it's so impressive to me that even just fine-tuned things like that they're still able to notice that and and, mm-hmm. and again for for those who are watching or listening who don't know these sores that we're talking about um are are potentially life-threatening um if they're not treated and noticed fairly um 
appropriately, I guess is the best way to put it, mm-hmm. um, because they can get infected and uh, with a body that's unable to um, function as a normal body is infections can be very dangerous and spread very quickly. Um, is that an accurate uh, thing to say? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, they just happen more often when you're like unable to move and there's like weight on like the bony prominences of your body. Yeah. So like your your coccyx, your hips, like the, your shoulder blades and things like that. So unfortunately it happens sometimes, but it's definitely one of those things that you want to stay ahead of because you're right, you can get really bad infection from it if it gets bad. Right. Well, and kind of moving on to the next question, um, you know, a lot of these things aren't in, in uh, what I would call like uh, publicly accessible places on on an individual's body um, and things of that nature. And so, you know, your roles got you got pretty personal with Peter. Um, you got very close with him, and you know, in ways that ninety percent of people will never, um, you know, get to know Peter at that level. So, um, in your kind of words, how well did you get to know? him as a client throughout those four years of working with him? Um, I would have to say really well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because it is, it's a really like kind of vulnerable and like, I don't know if I want to use the word intimate, but you get close like at, and especially when you're working with someone like consistently and you get to know them as a person, like they get to know you as a person. So yeah, you're, you're helping them with like healthcare stuff. But at some point along the way, we just like became really good friends. Right. And so we would talk about everything. It was like free therapy for me. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> um, so we were super close. <laughs> yeah. We talked about everything, um, anything and everything you can think of. You spend most mornings with him and everything comes up, family. Yeah. Everything. Was there any sort of pact, like a secret pact where it was like, <laughs> this stays between you and me? No one well, else we can't hears tell this. You, it's a oh, that's that's yeah. fair. That, that's completely fair. Well, and I think to the to the point you made about it being almost intimate. Uh, you know, going back to where you said some of the most difficult parts were when he couldn't move and get out of bed and do his normal routine because of something that was out of his control. I think that kind of keys back to the intimacy and the care um, beyond that of the health care. It's a human care um, for the person that you're you're assisting, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that it it rings true. Um, I'm sure for for a lot of people in in that role. Um, kind of piggybacking off of that, uh, you know, it's being paralyzed comes with its own kind of mental taxing and difficulty. Um, being the injured individual, but I assume. Some of that is also true when you're providing assistance because there's a lot of things that are out of your control. Um, You know, even though you can be his hands when he needs you to be, um, you can't, you know, cure the the ill will that might be going on in his mind. And I'm sure that kind of settles in too. So how did you mentally kind of handle um, working with someone with quadriplegia? And did it affect you mentally? That's an interesting question that I haven't really thought of, but I think looking back definitely affects you. But then Peter is such an uplifting and positive person at baseline. So 
day to day, you just go in and you have fun and you talk to him and you get to know him and you help him and you get to know his wife and his kids and you go swimming and you get invited to birthday parties. But then when he's having a bad day, like you would feel it because like I said, he's just so positive that if it was a bad day, like it really rained on you too, so to speak, because you're like, oh gosh, if I could just do anything to switch places with him or cure him Mm -hmm. so he could have this moment and that I take for granted. Like some days I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want to lay in bed all day. Whereas like there's someone who literally might have to do that and he wants nothing to do with that. So mentally that did get a little hard of like, yeah. Oh wow, I should never say that. Right. <laughs> like don't be so selfish, Sarah. Well, it's it's empathy because you're human, but at the same time you you almost feel guilty for having such empathy for for someone mm-hmm. because it's out of everyone's control. But I I totally understand that. What about you, Courtney? Yeah. Um I think there's like two sides to it. I think working with someone who is paralyzed, it gives you kind of a different way of looking at maybe your own life too, where it's like, Hey, like, like Sarah was kind of saying like, Hey, I should be grateful for the things that I do have. But there's also that side of like getting to know somebody who is living a life who's paralyzed about like how much respect I have for them and like realizing and like learning how strong they are to like accept their life as it is, you know? And then like Mm -hmm. be so happy and like make such a good life with the time that they do have. And stuff. And Peter's definitely was one of those people who just like, maybe his life didn't turn out exactly how he obviously had planned to, but he definitely like took what he could from it and made a really great life for himself. And I just feel really blessed that we got the opportunity to like, not only like take care of him and like learn all this stuff for him that benefited like us for our future, but we made like such a strong connection with somebody. And like, now Mm -hmm. I have like what feels like family forever. Right. Totally. I I love that Mm -hmm. answer. Um, and given just the, the personalities of the two of you, I can only imagine, you know, even though there were some dark times, there were obviously a lot of fun times as well. Um, so maybe if you wanted to touch on one of maybe the, your most memorable days in a positive way. <laughs> Sandbar. Oh, okay. We're talking uh, about a bar. <laughs> it's a, it's a bar restaurant that I think I don't remember exactly who either I was working that morning with Peter or Courtney was. And Peter was like, I don't want to work today. Do you guys want to go to lunch or do you want to go to lunch and get food or like a drink? And whoever wasn't working got the invite as well. And the three of us went and sat at Sandbar and had chips and salsa and margaritas. And I think Peter probably had a Manhattan or something. And it was right before Courtney and I were going to Las Vegas too. So I remember we were all like, Las Vegas prep. Yeah, free gaming, right? Yeah. <laughs> free, ga- yeah. free gaming with Peter. <laughs> I hate to say it, but that is also my most favorite memory. Yeah. <laughs> so who was, just- who was actually on the clock that day? And who was, who was the one who got the invite? I think I Courtney think, was on the I clock. I think I was working. It sounds like a pretty but, good work day. Not going to lie. We made it, David. Well, it's always interesting. People are like, what did you do today? I'm like, yeah, Peter, me, and Sarah went to the bar. And everyone's first initial question is like, what? Yeah. Like, how did you guys go to the bar? I'm like, we got in the van and we went to the bar. Obviously. 
<laughs> well, and so that that leads me to the question, and I've never actually gotten a chance to ask Peter this. Um, but you know, consuming uh, alcohol and things in his uh, physical state, was there any uh, thing that you have to be extra careful for, given his condition, or was it more so just we don't want you running your chair into the door frame when you leave the bar? <laughs> No drinking and driving. Yeah. <laughs> well, he can't help it, right? <laughs> yeah. It's the only exception. Um, nothing that I can think of. I mean. No, I just know we were, he's very responsible. I think it was like a, a one drink, just great yeah. conversation and a lot of good people watching. So. <laughs> so kind of looking at the experience as a whole, the four years that you spent as a PCA for, for Peter, um, was there anything in particular that either of you took away from the experience that you still carry with you today that you kind of live by or like a motto or anything like that? I just think touching on what Courtney said was just to be grateful because you never know how your life can change in an instant. Mm -hmm. And for me, I just, I think it really reiterates how important family is. Definitely like having relationships has been like very helpful. And I can see that through like Peter's life and like moving forward. And he has like some of the most amazing friends and family um, who are super supportive and like helpful. So it just like puts into perspective of like the relationships you make in your life are important and it's something that you should maintain. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. put, put thought and effort into those relationships mm -hmm. because that's what will carry you through if, something were to happen or if nothing happens even mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. just naturally through life. Well, I think that's a, those are both great things to take away. Um, I guess my last question for the day is after working with someone with quadriplegia, did you change your perspective on spinal cord injury um, and really just kind of the SCI field um, as a whole? Did it, have you, now looked at spinal cord injury in a different light or did it, how did it affect you in that sense? Um, I feel like it gave me more knowledge and like kind of like an inside perspective because I actually know somebody personally now who lives mm -hmm. with paraplegia, whereas before I didn't. So not that I understand, but it's like, at least I like have that relationship with somebody where I can like, if I do meet somebody who is like, newly injured I know somebody that maybe they could be a resource for or like I understand maybe a little better of like how to take care of them in a sense too right because I have taken care of somebody in the past so it's just like just healthcare wise it's like giving me a whole different view on patients who come in with these injuries yeah and what about you Sarah I would say just more awareness of it um, like, like I said, prior to, I knew what it was, but I didn't know what it entailed. So now I know deep down, like what someone living with an injury has to go through every morning or every night just to do the simple thing of going to bed. Um, so just more awareness and more patience with like Courtney said, I don't personally encounter anyone with a spinal cord injury in my field working in the NICU. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, th I think we've had one dad who lived in a wheelchair, but he was paraplegic and still had full use of his hands. 
So I can't say that it's really done anything for me on a healthcare perspective, just more so on just like an awareness of like, if I do encounter it one day, then yeah. I'll know more insight to it. Well, and I think it also, you both kind of keyed on the fact of just having an understand. I mean, there's a lot of people who live with paralysis um, and not everyone in a wheelchair is living with paralysis. That's not what I'm saying, but having some sort of background knowledge and understanding of what potentially they could be dealing with, uh, it, it comes a long way. Um, as I'm sure the person who's injured for, for the general public to have more of an understanding and respect for what they're dealing with, what they're going through, um, and how it it just kind of ties all back into how he's carrying himself given the situation is just so much more remarkable once you kind of wrap your head around what he's actually dealing with. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think both of you uh, are fully in tune with that. So that's great. Well, that's all the questions I had today. Um, I do want to open up the floor if either of you wanted to, you know, leave Peter a little like <laughs> message or uh, if you had any final words that you wanted to say, um, I'll, I'll let you do so now. Otherwise, um, I think we'll close it out. So did either of you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, just that Peter was not just someone that we worked for. Like he is truly family. And I know I can speak for both of us in saying that we absolutely love him. We love his wife and his two kids who are not children anymore. When we met Cooper and Bailey, they were (laughs) five and six or five and four or something crazy that, and now they're off to school and doing amazing things as young adults. So (laughs) um, it's just the Morton family is definitely our family. Mm-hmm. And we love them very much. Yeah. Um, and then I just want to say thank you for having us. This was like an amazing experience and stuff. And it's really nice to get to like talk about Peter and how much yeah. we like him. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure he likes it as well. So <laughs> no, it's it's really, I think, eye-opening to our audience to be able to hear from people who have kind of seen it firsthand and and Mm -hmm. participated in, in the activities of assisting someone with that sort of injury. Um, and I think it's going to be really, um, interesting to anyone who gets the opportunity to watch or listen to this. So thank you again for joining us and shout out to everybody who's watching us on YouTube. I ask, you know, hit the subscribe button, like icon, bell icon. That way you get notified when new episodes drop. If you're just listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, a follow is always appreciated. But other than that, uh, you know, Sarah, Courtney, thank you again for joining us on SpinalCast. And uh, I hope we get to talk again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you.